Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Praise the Lord. We ready for the word? I know we've heard bits and pieces of it, but I'm ready to, to share what the Lord put in my heart this morning and um, heading in a bit of a different direction than what we have been on in recent weeks when, when I've been ministering on Sundays. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's just a word or a direction that the Lord has put in my heart. And every time I, 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 I pray or every time I, I get in his presence or every time I sit down to read or to study, it just, this, these things just keep coming out. It just keep, keeps taking me in these directions. So I want to share um, a wee bit about you, uh, to you this morning about um, getting prepared for the days that are ahead. Amen. And um, it's important. It's important to be prepared and to not be caught unawares. You know, the Bible is full of prophecy. It's full of it's full of um, th- it's full of truths that are that have are that are that have told us what is coming, what is ahead. Amen. And the Bible says that, uh, that the Lord would not have us ignorant. He would not have us ignorant of what? Of what is to come, of what, what the times are going to be like. Amen? So, he's been impressing upon my heart the importance of being prepared, right? So, a part of that is preparing ourselves as, as what? As the, as the bride of Christ. You know, Jesus is the bridegroom. We are the bride. The church of Jesus Christ, the body, we are the bride, right? And the bridegroom is coming for his bride, right? And he wants us to be ready. Any grooms in here would want your bride to show up, would want your bride to be ready when when you come, right? I know when I got married, I was expecting my bride to be ready. She was a bit late, but she was ready, okay? (laughs) So I don't want to be, I don't want to be caught unawares. I don't want to be caught like, I don't want to be ignorant of the times that we're in, right? I want to be prepared, right? So we, a part of that is preparing ourselves as his bride to stand before him in glory. You know, the day is coming, church, when our faith is going to become our sight. Amen. Our faith is going to become our sight. You know, we're going to stand before him and see him face to face. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. That ought to get the body of Christ excited. And it it also ought to get us you know, moving, right? Get us up and active and and doing what we need to be doing. So there should be a sense of urgency, anticipating Christ's return. What we shouldn't see is Christians getting distracted by things that don't matter. You know, and an important truth that the Lord has shown me, and he spoke this to my heart, was, you know, to be faithful in the now, but don't live for the now. Right? A lot of the times we think, oh, uh, we can get this misconception that, oh, the now doesn't matter. It's all, you know, it's about eternity. And yes, it is. But you still have to be faithful in the now. Right? You can't just be like, right, I'm, I'm saved. It's all, uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going to, you know, waste this life or on, on worldly pursuits or whatever it may be. Right? And it's important to be faithful in the now but don't live for the now. And see, on the other side of that is too many people are living for the now, right? They're living for the now and they've no thought of eternity. 
They've no, they don't even, they don't even give it a second thought. They don't even think about it, right? And that's not, that's not the way we should be, church. We need to be focused on eternity. However, what we do in the now matters in eternity. Don't live for the now, but what you do in the now, it is going to matter in eternity, right? So don't waste the time you've been given by pursuing temporal things. Be faithful in doing what he's called you to do. You know, for many weeks there on Sunday mornings, we've been talking about, you know, intimacy, talking about, you know, seeking his face and the importance of those things. And that's all part of, I just feel like that's all just flowing together of what the Lord was speaking to my heart. So as part of preparing ourselves as his bride, we need to seek after him with our whole hearts, number one. We need to hunger and thirst for righteousness by keeping ourselves unspotted from the world. We need to keep ourselves pure before him because of the hope that is in us. You see, because of the hope that's in us, that's why we keep ourselves pure before him. You see, the word tells us that we have been perfected in Christ, but it also teaches us to keep ourselves pure and to sanctify ourselves, right? Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. You know, when we've been in 1 John in that last series that we were doing quite a bit. 1 John chapter 3 in verse 3. I just want to read this verse to you. It says, um, and, And all who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Just as the Lord is pure, because we have that hope in us, we, we then purify ourselves. We have a part to play, right, in getting ourselves ready. Our part is to remain faithful to Christ by being set apart and consecrated to him. Don't, don't, don't allow pollution to come in. Don't allow the standards to drop, right? Keep yourself prepared. Keep yourself ready. We should be growing in holiness and living godly lives, and that's what prepares us for the days ahead. You know, turn with me now to 1 Peter chapter 2. Go back, book, or two books. 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, I'm going to read a couple of verses here, but I'll start from verse 1. It says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, come into him now, come into him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also are living stones that are been built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. And if you go on down to verse nine, it says, but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles or among unbelievers right? That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So he's speaking to the church here. He's speaking to us that are reborn. And he says, therefore, lay aside these things. These things don't just go bop and taken away from you. You have to lay them aside, right? You have to choose to live a certain way in preparation for him, right? 
The word is clear, not only in who we are created to be in these verses, where it tells us we're a chosen generation, we're a royal priesthood, we're a holy nation. Love those verses. Powerful verses of who we are in Christ and who the church is meant to be. But it also, not only does it tell us who we were, we were created to be, but it also tells us how we should be living before the world and unbelievers. Right? As the church of Jesus Christ, though you know where it says there, beloved, I beg you as sojourners or pilgrims. That's saying, now as the church, you are foreigners in this world. You're a foreigner, which means you don't belong to the world. Why? Because Jesus took you out of the world and placed you in his kingdom. Right? We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Right? We're living in it. We have to live in it. Right? But we're not of the world. When we're living our lives before unbelievers, people should see a difference. Right? People would see it, should see a difference. So, we're now foreigners in this world. We're living in the world, but we're no longer of the world. We've been born again through the incorruptible seed of God's word, which endures forever. The Lord has given us a standard in his word, and we as his body should be living by it. Now, note, I have a note on this, right? Jesus perfected us. Hands up who's perfected, right? Jesus perfected us. I'm perfected, right? Jesus perfected you. If you're reborn of the Spirit of God, Jesus perfected you, right? Jesus perfected us and made us holy in him because we were recreated in righteousness and holiness, which means your spirit man is perfected. Your spirit man, who is, who is who you really are, is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, right? So Jesus perfected us. Our works and how we live, they are the product of that change, right? They're not, they're not something we need to do to maintain a change or something we need to get holy or, or any of those things. No, no, no. But they're a product of the change life. If you're yielding and submitting to the change on the inside, your works will show forth that change, right? Because your lifestyle will change. You don't strive in your own self through your actions to become more holy. Jesus made you holy. You just yield to the holiness that's now on the inside of you. You see, you can still choose to live unholy, but you have to yield to the holiness that's on the inside of you. Stop looking at yourself as, a, as this unholy, you know, sinner, as, the, as somebody who's not good enough to come before God. That's a problem that you need to sort out. If that's the way you think, you need to get into the Word and see who you are in Christ, right? Before you do anything else, it's foundational. You need to know who you are in Christ. Then when you know who you are in Christ, you start learning to yield to the holiness that's on the inside of you, right? So we set ourselves apart for his glory and we're faithful in what he asks us to do. We take a stand for him and his word. In preparation for him, in preparation for these days ahead, we need to take a stand for him and his word. Now, on Wednesday evening, Pastor Kimberly shared um, a, a wonderful message about persecution. And I was sitting on that front row, I was like, wow, Holy Spirit, you're really trying to tell us something, because guess what, I, what my word's about? Persecution. Right? It's about preparing ourselves for what? For the bumpy times ahead. Because it's going to be bumpy, church, right? It's going to be bumpy. Persecution is going to come, right? Why? Because just like I've been just saying about preparing yourself, about consecrating yourself, about setting yourself apart, about living for him, standing for his word, 
the world's not going to like that. Right? Anybody hear what I'm saying here or experiencing this? <laughs> the world's not going to like that. They're not going to appreciate the stand that you take for Jesus. They're going to push back against it and they're going to treat you like an evildoer. This is what it says here. I've just read that. It says that when they speak against you as evildoers, they'll treat you like an evildoer when you take a stand for Jesus. Many times the church shy away from this stand we should be taking for Christ because of the pushback. They shy away, and that's, that, that's a problem. Many get discouraged, and it leads to a change in standards. It leads to a compromise, or it leads to something else. That, you know, it, and it's because why the, the persecution, the pushback that they're receiving, it causes them to change the way they're living, right? Believers, I'm speaking about. The world begins to influence the church instead of the other way around. You see, we're called to influence the world, right? Jesus perfected us. You know, we've been set apart. We've been, we've been called. We've been chosen. We, have, we are his own special people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, right? The world doesn't need to influence us. We need to influence them, right? Why? Not because we are this oh, great people and they're below us. No, why? Because we have the hope in Jesus and they don't. And we need to give them that hope right? We must not forget who we've been recreated to be, which is a holy nation, his own special people, called to proclaim his praises throughout the world. Is your life proclaiming his praises? Because that's what you're called to be. Proclaim his praises throughout this earth. He wants us to realize what is ahead, not only so that we can be prepared to take the necessary stand for him and his word, but also that we, so that we can remain as the church he's called us to be, undefiled, and uncorrupted from the world, right? Turn with me to John chapter 15. The gospel of John. Jesus is speaking. Letters in red here. John chapter 15, and verse 18, it says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Just take me down another wee bit there. It's just a bit boomy. If you, were, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep your word also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, that's Holy Spirit, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me and you will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. You know, Jesus was very clear about persecution and that what's to be expected for all believers, right? Those who rejected him hated him, so they will hate us also. And we need not think these things are strange, 
right? Because the word tells us it's, it's quite clear, right? In fact, we should think it strange if we're not being persecuted. And that's what Pastor Kimberly was sharing on Wednesday. Uh, really just that, that sobering question that we need to ask ourselves. Well, are my, are my, are, am I being persecuted right now? And if we're not, then we need to ask ourselves, why? Why? Because Jesus said, if you look like me, you're going to, persecu- you're going to be persecuted. Right? So, The word tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. The Bible tells us, right? So as we have just discussed, if you're living in preparation for the bridegroom, if you're living in anticipation for the bridegroom, the way you should be, you will face persecution. But what are you going to do in those times? What are you going to do? Are you going to continue to take a stand or are you going to change the way you act? When the gospel is presented in the power of the Holy Spirit, it will cause those who are under conviction to push back against it. You see, when the gospel is presented, not just a watered-down gospel, not just a, you know, a a half-hearted gospel, when the true gospel of Jesus Christ is presented in the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the way we should all be presenting it and live in our lives, it will receive pushback from those who are convicted, right? Persecution is a sign that those who are doing the persecuting are under conviction, right? how you live your life as a believer and the words that you speak in line with the word point out to them where they should be, right? They may not fully understand it, but it points out to them the lack that's in their life. And they, there's a all, automatically a defensive nature and they push back against it because why? It's a conviction, it's a conviction. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that every person, every single person has an understanding of or knows that there's a God. It's, inside, it's on the inside of them. God's placed it on the inside of them. So don't believe somebody when they say that they don't believe, right? It's because they've suppressed it for so long over time that their hearts have been complete, completely hardened and callous. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, go read it, go read through those verses. It tells us that every single person is born with the witness of God on the inside of them. They know that God is real, right? It's what you choose to do with that. So when somebody is persecuting somebody else, it is because they're under conviction. They automatically feel judged or condemned, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit in you that's shining a light on their sin. Why? Not because he wants them to feel bad, because he wants them to change. He wants them to come into his kingdom. He wants them to have the hope that's in you. So the Holy Spirit that's working through you is shining a light on on their sin, on their lifestyle, and he wants them to change, right? That's what Jesus did when he came. Jesus received persecution. Jesus wasn't going around the streets handing out holiday gift vouchers. He wasn't going around handing out, you know, $100 bills. Jesus was going around teaching the word, preaching the word, and he had signs following him right? So he led people to the word. He led people to the truth. That's why many people rejected him. Why? Because they pushed back, 
right? And he was persecuted for it. Persecution can be easier to take when you understand this. They don't just hate you, they hate the message that you carry, right? Don't take it personal. They don't just hate you, they may hate you as well, <laughs> but they hate the message you carry more, right? They might tell you that it's you they hate, but it's the message you carry. Because if you were like them, they wouldn't hate you. So it's, it's who you are. It's the message you carry, right? When sharing about persecution, Jesus talked a lot to his disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Because that's key, right? It's key. He taught us that he is our helper. We can overcome and withstand persecution because of the power of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us, right? And that should have got a thunderous amen. amen. So persecution is no match for us. Why? Because we have the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And we can overcome and we can withstand. Why? Because we have him. He said he'd never leave us. He'd never forsake us. He'll give us the words to say. He'll tell us how to act. He'll show us the path to take. Have you ears to listen? Have you ears to hear what he's saying to you? We always have a choice in the midst of persecution. Are you willing to wait upon the Lord and allow him to bring you through it? Or are you going to go do things your own way? Turn with, to me 1 Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice, I say rejoice, say rejoice. rejoice, to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And then that, when you look at that, it's, it's that Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory is resting out of, it's shining out of you when you are persecuted and reproached for his name, right? If you've been persecuted for the sake of the gospel, it, is, it means the Holy Spirit is working through your life and that ought to make you rejoice, right? You can rejoice in this truth. It's, you're on the right track to being the church that Jesus has called you to be. Take comfort in knowing that you don't face these things alone. Je, uh, Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Amen. He's overcome the world, and he's living in you. He's empowered you, right? So I want us to look at here this morning, um, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And this is the Apostle Paul writing to his son, spiritual son, Timothy, right? And he's, Paul speaks a lot about um, persecution. And, and this is a man who not, not only was a persecutor first, but he also became, you know, somebody who was heavily persecuted, right? And don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We don't walk around with a, you know, with a complex of, oh, I have to accept these things, or I have to do this, or I have to do that. And, then, uh, and we are victorious. We're overcomers, right? When I speak of persecution, I'm talking about other people pushing back against you. I'm not talking about sicknesses. I'm not talking about, you know, strongholds. I'm not talking about things of the enemy that he tries to put on you. Oh, I have to take these because I'm, live to live, I'm called to live a persecuted life. It's completely, it, that's rubbish. It's taking the word out of context, right? 
Paul was a man who walked mightily in the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, right? He was heavily persecuted, but it was, again, it was from other people. It was for why? It was because he preached the gospel. It was for the sake of the gospel. It was because he stood for the name of Jesus, and he was persecuted, right? In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace, which has given to us in Christ Jesus before time began but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Church, are you persuaded? Because you need to be, if you want to take a stand for Jesus, if you want to take a stand for his word in these days ahead, you need to be persuaded. Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel, nor was he put off by the persecution. And like I said, he faced a lot. Why? Because he knew in whom he believed. That's key. And this is why I've spent weeks upon weeks upon weeks, and this is why it's, it's taught so much from this pulpit, from Pastor Ryan and other people about intimacy, right? You need to know whom you believe, right? It's no, good just, it's no good just coming to church and playing these games. You need to know, you need to have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus, or you're not going to be able to stand in the evil day. You're going to bow to the pressure. You're going to succumb. You're going to turn the other way. You're going to change your standards. If you don't know in whom you believed, and you can't take a stand for Jesus. You need to know in whom you believe, right? If you don't have this intimacy with him, it's going to be very difficult to stand. Paul was teaching his son Timothy here that the power that he had in his spirit was what would enable to withstand the pushback. So he was saying, God did not give you a spirit of fear. So what, what is in your spirit, Timothy? It is a spirit of power. It is a spirit of love, and it is a spirit of a sound mind, right? That wasn't just for Timothy. It's for each and every believer, right? What you have in, the, in your spirit is a spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind, right? That's how you're going to be able to withstand the pushback. It would have been very easy to yield to fear, but Paul was reminding him that they had something greater on the inside of them. They had something far greater. You know, God is so good. I was, when I was thinking about this, I was like, he didn't just tell us to stand. He just didn't say, right, I need you to stand for the gospel. I need you to do this, and I need you to, to, to really stand up for my word and, and just leave us powerless. He's given us his Holy Spirit. Like he's talked about, Jesus talked about his helper that's coming, his helper. And his helper that came, that fell at Pentecost and filled those believers. Amen? And that is a gift that we can receive and be filled with his Holy Spirit and his power so that we can have an unshakable conviction on the inside of us. He's given us everything we need by his Holy Spirit to accomplish what we need to do we have what it takes to stand for the word. No matter what tries to come against us, don't be discouraged by the, by the pushback. Instead, take joy in knowing that you're being used by God. You know, when Paul was writing this letter to Timothy, he was in prison, right? He was in chains. 
What an example to the people he was raising up. What an example to the spiritual leaders and sons and daughters that Paul was raising up, that he was like, look at, you're being persecuted right now where you are in your churches teaching and preaching. I'm in prison, in chains, and I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. He was facing near certain death. But he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the name of Jesus. He was considered and a joy to be able to give glory to Christ. It was, dangerous to be, it was dangerous at this time to be a Christian. There was open persecution against the believers, not only from Rome, but from the Jews, right? People were um, beaten, imprisoned, and even killed. These things weren't uncommon. They were beaten, they were whipped, they were all because of what? Because they stood for the name of Jesus. Paul took the time to admonish Timothy so that he wouldn't succumb to fear like many did. And as I, I, as I was meditating on these things, you know, uh, I, the Lord put in my heart, you know, if we're, what we need to remember is shame, shame by association in the face of persecution is also fear. You know, at times our silence, our silence can allude to our agreement. If you stay silent, it can allude to your agreement. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Speak when he tells you to speak. Do what he tells you to do. But there comes a time, church, where you're going to need to take a stand for Jesus. You're going to, take, you're going to need to take a stand for his word. And it's going to receive pushback. It is going to receive persecution. But do you know in whom you believe? Have you fully committed your life to him? In these last days, we mustn't be ashamed to be associated with the body of Christ. That is who we are. Jesus called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. The church needs to find its voice, and not in a condemning way, always in the framework of love, right? Stick with the word and stick with the Holy Spirit and don't succumb to fear. The Lord will strengthen you if you learn to lean on him. This is what the Apostle Paul learned to do. But you see, remember when I said about not in a condemning way, in the framework of love. Everything's in the frame of love. But let me tell you something. The truth is not easy to hear. Right? And when you speak the truth, somebody's, many people's going to automatically feel condemned or judged. Right? So that's why you need to lean on the Holy Spirit. And he'll teach you how to speak. He'll teach you what to say, when to say, and who to say it to. Who's ready to hear? Who's ready to receive? Right? The truth is not always easy to hear, but it's always right. The truth is always right, and it's always needed, right? We have the truth as his church. Are we going to share the truth? We need to share the truth because we have the truth. We have the hope on the inside of us. In the Western world, right, in this world, in our part of the world, at least for now, this type of persecution that I'm speaking of, it's extremely rare, right? We don't have people being dragged out onto the streets and whipped and, and, and beaten, and imprisoned for, for saying that we love Jesus, right? But we do have to deal with opposing forces in the spiritual realm that try to spread deception. And I want to share this with you in 1 John chapter 2 about the Antichrist spirit, right? There's an Antichrist spirit. In 1 John chapter 2 in verse 18, it says, Little children, it is the last hour and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, but which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. 
but they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. And if you go to chapter 4 of 1 John, he's writing about it here again. He says in verse 2, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Amen. You know, the word Antichrist, it means anti-Messiah right? And that word, that preposition is a Greek preposition that means against, right? When you put that in front of Messiah or in front of Jesus, in front of Christ, it means against or it means in the place of, right? Both are true, right? Because he's going to be that spirit. And, and that's what I want to explain to you, right? People get confused about some of these things. There have been, just as the Bible tells us here in First John, there have been many antichrists, right? That have, got, that, have, that have went before us, that have been in this, that, that have come and been in this earth, right? There are many antichrists, right? There is also the antichrist, the person, right? Who is going to come and try and take the place of Messiah, right? Once the church is taken out of the way and, and, and the authority is no longer on this earth. Then there is the spirit of antichrist, which is a spirit that is in operation in all antichrists, right? And it's the spirit of Antichrist that the Bible says is in this world today, right? So it is the Greek, or uh, the two, yeah, both of these meanings apply. It means against and it means in place of. There have been many Antichrists throughout history. They've all been against Jesus and the church. If you notice in the world today, right, you can talk about many religions, you can talk about many religious figureheads and people don't get offended. But if you start talking about Jesus, it gets people agitated. Why? Because there's a spirit of Antichrist. Because there's a spirit of Antichrist in operation. Right? It gets people agitated. Of course, there's nothing to be fearful or worried about why John says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. We have Holy Spirit on the inside of us, but we should be aware and we should be prepared to continue to stand for Jesus, regardless of what comes against us. You know, I often hear Christians say, why is it so hard for us? Why is everything that I do for the Lord wrong? Or why, is it, why does so much opposition come against it? And such and such can do this, and they can do that, and they can do the other. Why? The spirit of Antichrist. The, Satan is opposed to Jesus, and he is opposed to the church. He tries, he's going to try and stop the Christian from walking in victory. He's going to stop and try, he's going to try and stop the spread of the gospel, and he's going to try and stop the church from being who they were created to be. Okay? 
So that's why we need to take a stand. Amen. He, will use, he will try and use persecution. He will use that spirit of Antichrist to push the church back and to hush us. Are you going to be hushed? Amen? Because we know in whom we believe, right? Because we have intimacy, because we have power. We know who we are in Christ. We know who we've been created to be. We know what we've been commissioned to do, and we're going to do it because we want to be faithful stewards. This is why it's so important to be aware of the times we're living in church. It's not a lay back and kick your feet up time. It's not a, it's, not a, it's okay, I, I'm, I know where I'm going kind of attitude. It's a, we need to Press in deeper, seek him harder, and get plugged in somewhere. You get plugged in somewhere, you seek him harder, you press in deeper. You get moving, right? There should be a sense of urgency. The story didn't end when you got saved, did it? No, you've been commissioned to do a very important job. Jesus has commissioned you, but he's empowered you to do it. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. He, we have a great commission. And um, in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 9, the verses that we just read, it says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ. So it's important to remind ourselves we're not just called to have our sins forgiven and live a good life. Many, many Christians are living, oh, I'm saved, so I'm just going to keep doing what I want to do. I'm not, or I'm going to keep living this life. I'm going to keep living that life because I'm saved and I'm, I know where I'm going. Church, that may be true, but let me tell you, your story doesn't end there. Jesus has commissioned you to do a job. And are you going to be faithful in doing it? After you were born again, the Bible tells us here, we have a holy calling on our lives, a specific purpose. And regardless of what that looks like, you need to remain faithful to him. That's what Paul was telling Timothy. I'm here in prison, in chains. And I'm telling you, you need to remain faithful to God. You need to remain faithful to the stand which you took for Jesus. When, when facing persecution for the call of God in your life, it's good to remember that your life's no longer your own. If you think that way, you will get dragged into the flesh. If you think that your life's your own or that you're, own this, that you're this special person or that, oh, I, do, I, shouldn't be, I shouldn't be facing these things and this, that, and the other, I'm telling you, you're going to get yourself into the flesh and it's going to be very difficult for you to take a stand for God if you're in the flesh. If you're thinking about yourself, if, you're not, if you haven't died to self, right? You need to remember, 1 Corinthians six twenty says, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Notice how he said, in your body and in your spirit. So we don't just glorify God in our born-again spirit and then our body can do what we want. We glorify God in our body and our spirit. We glorify God when we let our light shine before men. Remember, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago in 1 John chapter 1. It says, you glorify God when you let your light shine before men. Walking in the light, shining your light means you're in fellowship with Jesus. Walking just as he walked. It goes full circle to what I shared at the beginning. You will stand in the evil day, overcoming persecution when you remain faithful to God by walking intimately with him and allowing Holy Spirit to shine through you and how you live for Jesus. Be faithful in the now. Don't live for the now. Live for eternity. Live for what pleases the Lord and live a life that will bring glory to his name. 
I'm going to close in this verse here. It says in verse 12, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. You know, this verse encourages me greatly. I love this verse. Paul was facing death. He was viewed by many as a criminal. Many people looked at him as a common criminal. Why? Because he took a stand for Jesus. He wasn't one bit regretful of the life that he pursued. He didn't look back and say, oh, I should have done that, or maybe should have done this, or I should have done this, or I should have done that and the other. No, he wasn't one bit regretful of the life he pursued because he didn't just believe in a doctrine. He didn't just believe in a set of beliefs. He believed in a person. He believed in Jesus himself. Jesus was the object of his faith. Is Jesus the object of your faith? Church, people get so wrapped up in doctrines and beliefs. And, and they are important, okay? We need to stick with what the Word says. But we're all going to differ in, in things at times, right? The object of our faith is not in a set of beliefs or a doctrine. The object of our faith is in Jesus himself, right? Don't put your belief in a belief system. Put your belief in Jesus, Put your belief in Christ, in whom you have believed. Jesus is the living word. He's the living expression. When you put the onus on your relationship with him, everything else will get ironed out. Paul's faith in Jesus himself is what led him not to be ashamed or afraid of what he was facing. And notice how Paul said he committed his life to Christ. He said, I, uh, that you are able to keep what I have committed to you until that day. He committed himself to what? To preaching the gospel, to being an apostle for Jesus. That's what he committed himself to. His life and his calling was committed to Jesus. Therefore, Jesus kept that until the day. Many in the body of Christ can't commit to coming to church once a week. We can't commit to coming to church once a week not, not even thinking about committing our life and our callings to him. And then we expect God to keep us and sustain us and do all of these things, but we won't give it to him, right? God can't keep what we first don't commit to him. Oh, I'm going to get you awake before you go home. God can't keep which you don't first commit to him. Paul committed his life to, to God. He committed his call into God and then God kept it. We need to commit our lives to him. Are we fully committed to him or are we still pursuing things that we want for our enjoyment and our pleasure? Or are we fully committed to him? Because I can tell you now, the apostle Paul could care less about the, what, what he got pleasure out of. The only thing he got pleasure out of was serving God, was, was preaching the gospel. That's the only thing he got pleasure out of. And that's what he fully committed himself to God. He's a faithful father. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. Don't be fearful or fretful of the days ahead. Be excited and full of joy in knowing that we're getting closer to see our king face to face. Be diligent in the times and ensure you're where you need to be in order to sow into eternity. Amen. And the next time we're going to look at an example, a few examples in the word of, 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 of taking a stand for Jesus, what it looks like so we can apply it to our own lives and take encouragement in it in these days ahead. Amen? Are we blessed? Are we encouraged? Are you going to take a stand for Jesus? Take a stand for his word?
Persecution is inevitable, church. It's coming. Jesus said it will come, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. In, the, in, the, in this Western world, we don't know anything about it. We don't even really know what it means. You look at our brothers and sisters in, in different parts of the world that their lives are in real danger, and they're getting beaten and imprisoned for loving and preaching the name of Jesus. People ignore us in the, in the workplace and we're thinking about, oh, I'm never going to mention Jesus to them again. Or they didn't sit with me in the canteen. I'm not going to do it. Or they skipped ahead of me in the line or they called me this behind my back. Who cares? Who cares? The Holy Spirit's working through you. And when they start pulling you out of the canteen onto the street, still who cares? Jesus is going to protect you. Amen. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise and we thank you for the wonderful truth that we have in your word. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ that sets us free. It delivers us. It transforms us. Oh, we're thankful for your presence this morning, Lord. We're thankful, Father, that we came to withdraw from your bank this morning, that we can leave here fully loaded with your blessings, with your healing, with your peace, with your joy, with your prosperity, Lord. We thank you, Father for all that you've done for us, for who you are. We glorify you. We magnify you. You're worthy to be praised. We thank you for the boldness, Lord, that's on the inside of us to take a stand for you. Help us walk in that, Lord. Help us take a stand for you and for your, and for your word. Because we, it's okay, Lord, we can declare that we love you inside these four walls, but we want to scream it from the rooftops. We want to declare it to the world that's dying and going to hell. We want to we declare it to them so they can make a choice to be with you for eternity because you are, because, Father, you're so merciful that it is your will that none should perish, but all should come to know you and have everlasting life. But we are your hands here on this earth. And we have a job to do. As your church, as your body, we need to be bold. We need to be brave. We need to be full of your spirit, full of your word. So we can go out and do what you've called us to do. Take a stand for you. Take a stand for your name and for your word. So as we do those things, Lord, we speak Psalm 91 over ourselves. That we are protected in our ways. Oh, because we dwell in the secret place. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You are our refuge. You are our strength. You are our strong tower. Oh, thank you, Father, that no evil shall befall us. No plague shall come near our dwelling place. You give your angels charge over us, keeping us, Lord, in all of our ways. No sickness, no disease can prosper against us. No amount of persecution can stop us from declaring the love of Jesus and sharing the love of Jesus and the hope that we have in you. So we thank you as we exit out of this place, Lord, that you're with us. Your angels are taking charge of us. We're safe, Lord, at home. We're safe in the workplaces. We're safe, Lord, in our travels, everywhere we are. Our families, our children are protected by you. We're covered by the blood of Jesus and by our covenant relationship with you. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. We thank you. Give us the, give us the love. and Lord, we know we have the love and the faith on the inside of us, Father, to walk in love towards one another, even when it becomes difficult. We want to be united in these last days. We don't want to be, Lord, we've got persecution coming against us from the world. We need to stand together. We need to stand strong and united as your body. So we will not accept strife or, or division in the body of Christ. We will weed those things out. 
So we thank you, Father, for a unified front. We thank you that we walk in love towards one another and in faith and love towards you, declaring, Lord, that here at Island Church we're covered by your blood, empowered by your word and anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.